Well, maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big-time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to Santa? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about a television show, 1991's Tag Team. The reason we did this is we appeared on Captain Marvelous's segment of the Off the Ropes podcast. And you can find that on the internet at offtheropes.net. You can also find it in iTunes and every other place that you find podcasts. Go there and subscribe to it. It's a wonderfully fun wrestling show. And he does a segment. And what is his segment called, Craig? Uh, That's So Raven. Okay, and so he does this segment. He's funny. He's smart. He knows a lot about wrestling. He's got a, a great knowledge of all types of things about professional wrestling and beyond. Just a real pop culture kind of guy. And so he asked us to do an episode on his show, and we picked this show, Tag Team. And so we watched it, he watched it, and he joined us. But it's essentially just what we do every week here on this show. So if you didn't get a chance to hear it on his show, it's going to be right here. If you already heard it on his show, then you've already heard this. Go listen to something else this week. But we'll be back next week with a brand new show. But we wanted you to hear this in case you missed it. Go over to his site, subscribe for his future episodes, and you can hear that episode right now. Let's roll it, Craig. All right. Hey, everybody. Here with me right now for this That's So Raving segment, I got uh, the two hosts of this excellent podcast, Camel Click Cinema, Craig Cohen and Guy Hutchinson. How are you guys doing? Oh, very fantastic. good. <laughs> so yeah, excited now, to be here. I got to tell you, I love your stuff. You're so funny. You're very smart. You know your stuff with wrestling. I enjoy this. I like the nerd and proud one as well. And I'm just I'm really pumped to be here. Oh, yes, thank you. I really do enjoy your podcast as well. Believe me, it gets me through a lot of hours of work. <laughs> thank you. I managed to listen to your back catalog at work, so that was all. You know, that was a good thing. Well, we we ah, got cool. we got past the twenty four. I wanted to get to number twenty four because then you've got a full day. Somebody could lock themselves in a room and listen to nothing but me and Craig talk about movies and wrestling for one whole day. Yeah, and, and actually, I started listening to your show because of uh, they were showing. Uh, what's that movie? That one, that that WCW movie, oh, Ready to Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, for some reason, No Holds Barred kept coming to my head. <laughs> yeah, so Ready to Rumble, and then you guys posted a, a on the Facebook like, "Hey, we just did a show on that." So, yeah, over on the SWF board. Yeah, yeah, that's what got me hooked. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there's what we do is we take a movie that has either either a wrestler in it or a bunch of wrestlers, or has maybe a scene where they, they have a wrestling scene or a wrestling plot, and we just dissect it, we talk all about it, and tell everybody everything we know and everything we can find out about it. Now, I have to say, what I like about your show is that you see the positive in everything. <laughs> like You just don't tear it down and, and you know you just turn everything negative. You keep it positive, so I really do like that. 
Yeah, even the movies that we end up tapping out on, which means we, you know, we wouldn't recommend watching them. Uh, you know, we could go the whole episode, you know, making it sound like we are gonna, you know, recommend it and then tap out. Yeah, I'm like, wow, they're really enjoying this. Wait, they're tapping out. <laughs> well, you, you know, the thing about it is you have to go into it saying there's going to be wrestlers in this. And we all love wrestling, but wrestlers are big, ridiculous, goofy human beings. So that automatically means that no matter what the movie is, it's going to have some level of comedy in it, whether intentional or unintentional. So there's going to be something there to enjoy. Exactly. Now, um, you guys on your show mostly concentrate on movies. Have you ever thought about expanding it to TV shows? We uh, we have and we've done we've done some different things. We try to to like we've done cameos that wrestlers have had in things, and we'll we'll talk about other things like that. And we have talked about TV shows. There's a handful out there that are worth covering. You know, at some point, obviously the Baywatch episode with with Randy Savage and or no Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan wrestling yeah. on the beach. I mean, there's 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 a Baywatch with. With uh, Giant Gonzalez in it, where he's wearing his Giant Gonzalez El Gigante, you know, outfit. Oh, really? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he like lives under a bridge with like his kid. It's it's I, if I remember correctly, it's a very sad episode because he's so tall and he doesn't want people to see him. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I'm pretty sure either that exists or I had a a, a dream one night <laughs> about it. But I, I'm one pretty sure it's real. Was from the show Boy Meets World. Oh yes, Vader was the dad of the bully. <laughs> yes, yeah, and he actually played Vader. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there was a show in the eighties called um, with Lyle Alzado. What was that called, Craig? You remember? It was like Between the oh, Ropes good. or he, something. Was he the teacher? Yeah, he was yeah. he was a teacher during the day and he was a wrestler at night and I don't remember the name of it but I used to watch that every week and they would show clips from I think NWA or Mid South but whatever wherever it was that that Lyle Alzado would pretend to wrestle it was and that was a great show I probably I, if I watched like, it now it would probably be ridiculous but at the time man I thought that was the coolest thing on television one of the greatest things about the WWE's popularity in the late nineties when they were on the USA network before jumping to Spike and then jumping back to USA was they would turn up, they would send a superstar to every one of their shows. So you'd have Triple H on Pacific Blue. Yes. You'd have Mankind show up on stuff. G Undertaker show up on stuff. E. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you guys remember Pacific Blue. For those of you who don't know, Pacific Blue was the, the show. It was Baywatch with bikes. Yes. yes. And it starred Mario Lopez. Yeah. And, now, and you guys, Triple you guys remember the match he had with Val Venus on Sunday Night Heat? Mario Lopez? No. Yes. Oh, my God. I got to look that Wow. No, Am I, I the only one who remembers this? Yes. You're the only one. But that is awesome. I, okay. I'm seriously doubting myself now because I tell people nobody seems to remember this. <laughs> on Sunday Night Heat, to promote Pacific Blue, he got into a shoving match with Val Venus. And, um, and they had a match. And Mario <laughs> Lopez won. That's... It sounds sounds right to me. <laughs> oh um, man! I okay, to... yes, no. This 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 exists. You are correct, Mario oh, okay. Lopez. Um, yeah, tackling Val Venus Sunday Night Heat. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes. Well, this this happened. Yeah. I, I guess I watched it, but I don't remember it. <laughs> you I would think, think both... you would think that would stick in your mind, but there was a period during this time you're talking about where like. 
Paul Rubens was on. They did Mystery Men, and they had like uh, Ben Stiller and and Pee Wee Herman. You know, Paul Rubens and a bunch of other people from that show. I think Janine Garofalo and everybody from that show was on like GTV on one episode. I mean, the WWE was was out of control. Now I don't know. If, uh, didn't Screech fight somebody from TNA? <laughs> Screech uh, uh, did did quite a few things with wrestling. I don't know if it was TNA though. But uh, was Screech involved in Hulk Hogan's championship wrestling? Yeah, he was on that reality show that Hulk did. But I, I believe he was on TNA and actually had a match and beat somebody. Uh, I was gonna say these saved, these saved by the Bell guys, they have a they have an undefeated record in wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, you know the the principal is it was like a commissioner. Belding, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Mr. Belding. That's right. I remember uh, like last year, Belding was in the front row at Raw, and they didn't even acknowledge it. Oh, I know. God. A, I know he's a fan. I went to a Raw a Raw show a while ago, a couple of years ago. It was when Kane got unmasked. Oh wow! You remember the episode where he tombstone Linda McMahon? Oh yeah, yeah. yes. So it was that episode, and I guess Mr. Belding was backstage with the wrestlers. Because during a commercial break, he just popped up from the entrance onto the ramp. And everyone's like, hey, it's Mr. Belding! And they all start cheering, and then he just runs back in. Like, Why not? See what it was like. He was just yeah. out in the gorilla position. And he was actually on, I believe he was on an episode of the Z, what is it? True Hollywood Story or True Long Island Story? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I believe he was on an episode of that when he was trying to... He was bidding on the internet to try to be the anonymous GM, <laughs> which I would have preferred, you know, hundred times over what they ended up reviewing it to be. Oh God, that was terrible. <laughs> they they had so much opportunity to, with that, and they didn't go anywhere great. All right. Yeah, well, I know. So the show that we're actually going to review is the show. Well, was it really a show or was this just a pilot? This was a pilot. This was a pilot for a television show that would have been called Tag Team. And they made this pilot. It was supposed to debut in 1990. And they decided not to pick it up. So it sat on the shelf. And then on January 25th, 1991, 22 years ago, almost to the day that people are listening to this, depending on when they actually hear it. But 22 years ago, this showed up Super Bowl weekend on television with no intention of ever having a second episode, and it was called Tag Team. Preempted yeah, Twin I Peaks. Actually, I was actually surprised that it was a one-hour episode. Yeah. Oh, I yes. It was 30 minutes. So let's, a- let's get right into this. Yeah, I'll let you take the reins from here on out because you two are the experts. All right. Now, you've seen this, right? Yeah, I saw it, I saw it yesterday. And I it, started taking notes on these, and I got so into it, I just kind of stopped halfway. <laughs> <laughs> this is very, very unusual. Let me give you the plot summary from IMDb. Tricky Rick McDonald and Billy the Body Youngblood are two of the best wrestlers in the country. They are told to take a dive by the wife of a promoter. If they don't, she'll make sure they are blackballed from wrestling. When they don't do what she says, they are fired immediately. They try many jobs without any success. When they stop a grocery store robbery, they get the idea to become cops. So begins a new chapter in the life of this tag team. Bad guys, watch out. (laughs) So, yeah, they preempted Twin Peaks. They put this in a prime spot, but I found an article from Variety from that day that 
said that there was no intention of picking this up, that this was being dumped on television and people could watch it, but that was it. There was never going to be another episode of Tag Team. And it's a shame because there is a lot in this show, as absurd as it is, and it is absurd, there's a lot in this show that we should be very thankful that it exists. <laughs> the, uh, the director... Uh, Paul Cranchy, and I had never heard of him, but he directed like a ton of television shows, lived from 1935 to 2001, directed Moonlight, directed uh, uh, Moonlighting with um, with uh, Bur- uh, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis and, and what was the woman on that? Sybil Shepard. Sybil Shepard. Directed episodes of that. Directed Kojak, Who Loves You Baby, Telly Savalas, Miami Vice, MacGyver, Jake and the Fat Man, Dallas. I mean, this guy was a big-time TV director, and he directed this under a huge producer. Craig, do you know anything about Robert McCullough? Yeah, Robert McCullough. This was the, the pedigree behind this show was very, very, you know, well regarded. He was a producer and writer. He wrote for shows like Jag, Baywatch Nights, <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation, Falcon Crest, and The Bionic Woman. He's not listed on the IMDb for this, but he is listed in that Variety article that yes, you Yes, so, so no one – so this is – we're breaking news here. People have not heard that he had anything to do with this since the 1990s because the VHS tape of it that was uploaded to YouTube cuts off his credit. We better hope he doesn't listen to this show and decides to sue us for putting that out. <laughs> uh, Captain, what do you think of Jesse the Body Ventura? Are you a fan? Well, I never really saw him as a wrestler. Most of the time, I remember him as a commentator. Right. Yeah. Well, so I never really formed like a opinion of oh, I hate this guy. Well, it is, yeah. There, uh, Piper, I do remember a lot because that match he had with Bret Hart, where Bret Hart just ended up bloodied. I think it was over the IC title. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good match. I, I remember that match clearly because I was I I still thought it was you know all real. Right. Yeah. I thought Bret Hart was the coolest thing ever after that match. <laughs> oh, my God, he's so bloody that he still won. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. We were actually talking about Jesse when we were getting putting this episode together in the fact that this episode, which starts with a wrestling match, is probably the only time a lot of people have seen Jesse wrestle because his career sort of did end before – you know he, re- you know wrestling really had a chance to explode. Yeah, let's uh, let's break this down because this is why people should go on and check this out. Jesse Ventura's final pro wrestling match is in this show, and what happened was when they were filming this at the at the L.A. Sports Arena on a March twenty fifth, nineteen ninety matinee in front of eleven thousand fans. Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura fought the Orient Express, and that was taped for this show, and then they changed the names, which we'll get to when we run through the plot, but that was his final match ever, and he had uh, he had been retired since before WrestleMania II in 1986, but really, he had stopped wrestling full-time in 1984 when he had a blood clot in his lung, and, and he felt that that was from Agent Orange that he, he uh, contracted, came in contact with during the, the war, but he had really not wrestled from 84 to 1990, and in kid years, that's a huge long time. Oh, yeah. And actually, Jesse's pretty much one of the main reasons that wrestling came out and admitted that it wasn't all completely real. Uh, yeah, you're, I, what you're referring to is is for medical clearance? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because 
they found that, and I think they like that they found it, but they, uh, he couldn't get, uh, insured to wrestle in a lot of places. From what I understand, there were still commissions that would check people and see if they, if they were cleared to wrestle as if it was boxing or MMA or something. And so at that point, one of the reasons was taxes, because Vince wanted to be taxed as if he was doing ice capades instead of like he was doing, you know, a boxing show. And also, he didn't want the, you know, the medical coverage. He, he also didn't want them to be testing his guys for steroids. I think. Uh, I hear, allegedly. Uh, you know, now, now we're safe. In Mexico, they, they still have the, the commission that checks out, you know, wrestlers and boxing. Yeah. Okay. Let me yeah, talk- that's, why, that's why if a wrestler loses his mask, they actually have to go through this committee to see if they're able to wear it again or if they're oh. able to wear it for a different persona. Um, I don't know if you remember. That's incredible. In WCW, when Rey Mysterio lost his mask. Yes. Well, it was a big deal because he went back to Mexico and wrestled with the mask. So they actually they were actually banning him from several cities because he wasn't allowed to wear the mask since he had lost it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they take that seriously. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the cast. So you got Jesse Ventura. IMDb has his name wrong in this. They they list his character's name as Bobby Youngblood. It's Billy the Body Youngblood. I'm not sure how that got messed up. Everybody knows him. Governor of Minnesota, Hall of Fame 2004. Roddy Piper, huge wrestling star, never got the world championship, but was as big of a heel as you ever got in wrestling. And he also wears his hair very long in this to cover those giant ears. And now he can't do that. His hair, I think, won't grow in enough so you have you noticed captain he's got very large ears um the one thing i notice about piper every time i see him is he looks like the grandmother on roseanne (laughs) and i actually posted a picture of them two side by side and it's like if they're twins see i I always saw john ritter i always saw it was like john ritter you know all buffed up getting in the ring but but he uh He's a Hall of Fame 2005. The cast of this show has a ton of stars. Uh, Phil Lewis was on uh, Hannah Montana, Married with Children, Drew Carey Show. Raymond O'Connor was in The Rock, uh, the movie The Rock from 96. He wasn't in Dwayne Johnson. He wasn't... He didn't physically get in there. Uh, but he was in The Rock. He was on Boy Meets World with Vader, like you mentioned. Uh, he was in the movie Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. And the other ones that were in this cast, for some reason, everybody seemed to work with Hulk Hogan. Robin Curtis is uh, the female lieutenant in this. She was in Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan. Um, the uh, Jennifer Runyon, and this, I, I couldn't get over that she was in this. Did you recognize her? This is the woman that works at the clinic with the animals. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you recognize her from anything? I recognized her from being uh, Charles's girlfriend on Charles in Charge. That is true. Uh, she was she was also in the scene at the beginning of Ghostbusters where Bill Murray's like asking questions and how does ESP, he, yes. Yeah, and he keeps pressing the button and the guy's like, ah, you know, he's shocking the dude and not the really hot chick. She was the hot chick. But the thing that I remember her the best from and the moment I saw her, she was Cindy Brady in that very Brady Christmas special. Oh, she was the fake Cindy Brady. 
Yes. And she's the uh, one that made everybody think that the real Cindy Brady was doing porn because the real uh, Cindy Brady couldn't be on this. I don't remember. Maybe she was pregnant or something else. But at some point earlier in her career, she had done music for a softcore porn film or something like that. Camera work, something. And it was just because she knew a friend that was producing it. And so she had a credit on a porno film and then she didn't show up on this. And that was the rumor when I was in grade school, you know, when this came out you know the rumor was oh my god cindy brady's a porn actress yeah because cindy brady actually went on to form a, a rock band so she probably okay. did some music for that i'm telling you all those 80s stars all went to be uh into being rock bands shannon tweed by the way is in this and she came pretty close to doing porn she's miss november 1981 in playboy magazine we'll pause now for people to google her pictures <laughs> <laughs> she dated Hugh Hefner. She's dating Gene Simmons and has been dating him for 30 years. You've probably seen her for that. Mark Gintner, who plays Mark in this, he was with Hawk Hogan in Secret Agent Club. And then uh, the other, only other guy on this that I found a credit that I liked was Robert Hanley, who acted from 1973 to 2001 and is now quietly retired. But he had been on the A-team with the one and only Mr. T. <laughs> So this opens back. up with that big wrestling match. Captain, what I thought was most interesting during this, and as soon as I, I talked to Craig about it, he pointed the same thing out. We get a, a ring announcer, but we've got Mean Gene's voice over top of him. Right. Okay. I wrote that. Is that Mean Gene at the start? Okay. But so, but then when, once he's talking, some other guy. Yeah. Here's the deal with that. In the credits, it says William Laster is the is the uh, ring announcer, and it was that was the real name of Flying Billy Anderson, who is now known as Big Bill Anderson because he got a lot bigger and doesn't fly anymore. But he is a wrestling legend, debuted in the seventies, and during most of the eighties and nineties, he was a jobber in the WWE. He would be a referee when they needed him to be, or he'd be a ring announcer, and that's what he was doing on this day in Los Angeles. And the only thing I can think of is that he did the ring announcing in the ring and then they needed to redub it so that he didn't say Roddy Piper you know against the Orient Express they needed to say they were fighting what are they called the like flying samurais or something in this the samurai. yeah the samurai, samurai brothers so in yes. order to say that the Orient Express and Mr. Fuji were not the Orient Express and Mr. Fuji they needed somebody to dub over that and so Mean Gene stepped in and overdubbed it but it's weird to see this guy this handsome young guy and Mean Gene's voice coming out of his mouth and then Mean Gene doing commentary during the entire match it was weird <laughs> and it was um Mr. Fuji, they named him. It was like Mr. Fiji. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they went out of their way to not say that, you know, it was Mr. Saki and the yeah. Samurais. It was Tojo Samurai and Saji Samurai. And this was the Orient Express. You know, this that was that was them. And so the people in attendance thought that they saw Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura fight the Orient Express. So it's pretty good. By the way, the main event on that card that day was ultimate warrior against mr perfect for the ic title so this was this was a pretty good moment and so people that were there may not have known it and probably at the time they definitely didn't know it because who knows on that show jesse may have got to wrestle again sometime you know down the road on it but yeah. and this show by the way was shot just a few days before roddy piper painted himself half black and wrestled bad news brown oh goodness do you remember that 
Oh yeah. How do you? How did that? I don't understand. Watching it today, I have no idea what Piper was going for. I'm still lost on whatever they were trying to prove. I'm not sure Piper could even tell you what he was going for. Uh, and if he had a time machine and went to that day and asked him, I don't think he could tell you. All right. So we get this match. This match is setting up that the Linda McMahon of the story is going to fire them because they won't take a dive. They're like, we play for keeps. We play for real. We're not, we're we not, got, <laughs> we're not going to fake yeah, we it. We got a shot at the title. You know, we're, you know, if, if we win this match, we'll, we'll be in line for the title. Oh, the lizard brothers are out of here. It's, it's us now. We're, we're taking over. And so, so they become piano movers, and we get to see them do, you know, what's basically Laurel and Hardy carrying a piano up a flight of stairs until it falls out the window on top of another piano. And that was a <laughs> piano if it broke through a brick wall. Oh, I don't know. You know, I thought about yeah, I, that when I watched it, the physics of it, but then I was like, I don't know. I've never dropped a piano down a flight of stairs. Who the hell knows what it might do? Now, the question I have, at, at the very beginning, there's a little kid. Yeah. And he runs to them in the locker room. Yes. He, like, does he get their autograph? Are they doing an autograph signing in the locker room? No, they're they're giving each other the abdominable stretch just for, for no reason. Um, I The only thing is he sneaks into the back to, to, to tell them that they're not all that great and that Andre the Giant would just be a tall guy if he wasn't called yeah, Andre the name. Giant. And I... Uh, you know, we never see this kid again. He's not hes not their kid. He's not like a nephew of them or anything. Uh, he just randomly in the crowd during their match. I will say yeah. that. This was before the Mel Phillips incident. And if you don't know what that is, just go Google it. But this was before that, I believe, or else they would have never put this in this show. Yes. <laughs> and one thing about, um, you know, they when they – before they get the piano – piano movers job or the, the movers job I, I doubt their job was to solely move pianos <laughs> but um they're brainstorming jobs that they can do and piper comes up with a great idea he says hey you know what let's open a wrestling school <laughs> and i love jesse's answer for why they couldn't is they weren't champs that's right that's right you know the <laughs> like best... they almost said you know what we have to find a way in the script because people are going to say they can just go open a wrestling school well, let me say this. The ring announcer we saw in the ring, Big Bill Anderson, trained Sting, the Ultimate Warrior, and Louis Spicoli. So you don't have to be the champ in order to train. Yeah, you could almost argue that the people that weren't champ would probably make the best teachers. Maybe. You know, they, they sat back and watched it. They didn't have it all thrusted upon them. So they, they then decide... Again, instead of opening a wrestling school, they'll go to a place where women can beam up. Yeah, he says, oh, we're going to... He reads the paper and says, how would you like to work with women? <laughs> but then at the next scene, he says, you call this working with women? That's what the agent told me. <laughs> and it wasn't really a self-defense class by any means. It was just... They were all padded up, and the women got to just beat the hell out of them. Yeah, the there was concept no is. Taught. Yeah, no, no, no. This is the concept. It's if there was uh, if there was ever attackers that came at you wearing big puffy jackets, and you had thirty of your yeah. friends with you. Maybe this class was just for women that hated men, so they could beat up a man. Maybe that was what this class was sold as: was just come beat the hell out of a dude. Yeah, I think so. The. I didn't notice this until Craig pointed it out. It's like they're trying to cover their bases. Like when they said, oh, why can't we open a wrestling school? Because we're not champions. Because in the next scene, they say, oh, it's a good thing they paid us, even though we didn't do the second class. Like as if the crowd would say, or the, yeah, the crowd. Yeah. As if the audience would say, like, wait, they're not working. Why are they getting all this money? Yeah, they still. You have to go to, 
for, for Jesse to buy his, his crate of grapes. Yeah. <laughs> They go food shopping, and what I noticed during this, and this is a bad sign during your scene if what I'm doing is paying attention to the magazines by the register, but I noticed that they had the TV guide uh, with – with um, uh, uh, Bob Saget. Yeah, Bob Saget. What was that show called where he would video – America's he, Funniest America? Home Videos. They have him holding a video camera, pointing it at them, and it's like almost surreal. It's like, oh my god, Bob Saget's hiding under the register. There's six of him, and he's videotaping this. But it was the cover for America's Funniest Home Videos on TV Guide, which I looked it up, March 31st, 1991, day before Warrior Hogan. So this was filmed within a week, I think, of that main event. So Piper had to be getting ready to paint himself black. I hope he didn't have to come back and film some of this with some of the black paint still on him and they had to make up him white over top of the black paint. <laughs> so they get this big fight there. What was the deal with the recycling bin? Where How would they ever empty this? There was a giant recycling bin the size of a glass shed that I guess you would just dump cans into. Yeah, I actually thought that this was sort of somebody's attempt at creating the world's biggest <laughs> or largest recycling bin like sort of like the world's you know so, largest you know string of yard right so you think that string. this that this ralph's in the movie this vons that their claim to fame was they had the largest recycling bin and tourists would come around to see it when they were in los angeles yes and then they'd get thirsty outside taking pictures and come in and buy a, a cold beverage i like now, this they, idea but this i didn't get before they pushed this dumpster they say hey remember the high flyers <laughs> yes was that their move? <laughs> this is a running gag throughout this. Whenever they get into trouble, they'll just mention some tag team that they wrestled at some point. At one point, they even say the Rockers. Uh, yes. And then they'll do what I guess is a move they did in the ring. I don't know how, like you're saying here, Captain, I don't know how this move would ever work in the ring. <laughs> but it gives them the idea to become cops and they go to police academy this is the police academy in LA have you ever been there? I have not oh it's right behind Dodger Stadium in Chavez Ravine this is when you see police academy in movies it's almost always the real police academy there and I took a tour of Dodger Stadium once and they said you know just to warn you if there's any gunfire or explosions coming from that direction it's just the police academy if it's coming from this direction it's just that we're in a really bad neighborhood but if it's in that direction it's police academy and i was like what and they said yeah that's where they filmed those movies because that's the real police academy and they said oh sometimes helicopters are landing and guys are jumping out of the helicopters and swat teams are moving up and down the hill so if you ever go to dodger stadium look out past the think blue sign it's right out in that area yeah, usually when I go to Dodger Stadium, the only gunshots I hear are from the crowd. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is where we get our plot, finally. We get the, uh, they become cops, they join the LAPD, and they there's a dog walker, which is Cindy Brady, who witnesses the murder of two undercover cops. Yeah, she's yeah. fucking like ten dogs. <laughs> and so... So after they pass graduation, uh, she's got a bounty on her head and they've got to go protect her. And they go into the house and there's these two other cops that are like, oh, they're such rookies. They're looking in the closet like idiots. Oh, yeah, these, you the, the, how you mentioned that there's always somebody who picks on the wrestlers. Right. The, the little, Tyler. The, yeah, Tyler. He keeps picking on them during That's their right. 
That's right. During the training, he's the one that they have to do the rocker aerial attack to get over yeah. the wall because he pulls the rope out of the way. Yeah, and then they toss him into the little uh, to the moat or whatever. <laughs> So so they're they're at this house though. They're guarding Cindy Brady's house, right? I mean that's what that's what goes down here. It's a here. safe house, I believe. And and Piper's looking in the closet for Adrian Adonis. And <laughs> and then all of a sudden all of a sudden what happens? We get some excitement here. Yeah, the 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 two guys that that committed the murder have been told by the I guess their lawyer, I guess it is. He says you got to take her out. So they're staking out her house, trying to find out a way to do it, and they see the mail being delivered. So one of them dresses up and poses as the mailman, <laughs> rings the doorbell, and basically disables the the two veteran cops who I guess were more you know comfortable just sitting on the couch watching like, TV. You see, I'm reading the paper. I'm not looking out the window. <laughs> so then Jesse and 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 Piper have to come in and do their thing. So we see a lot of wrestling moves and. Um, the, the two criminals get away, but our witness also flees because she is terrified. So they're suspended, and then they end up... What, what happens at this point? So they get suspended for really no apparent reason. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're... Like, I'm doing it to save you guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, the, the, one, the one veteran cop who got knocked out, he goes, I can't say what happened after I got knocked out, but they got away. <laughs> <laughs> So Jess and Piper really take their job home with them, and they're really trying to figure out where this girl could be. And earlier in the episode, she had told them that when she was feeling down, she would go to the animal shelter and pick a dog out to convince one of her dog-walking clients to take home. Right. So they go to the the animal shelter, and sure enough, he's there. And and Piper and Jesse meet a dog who they end up uh, really bonding with. Sure. And they race her to the courthouse to get her to testify because apparently (laughs) – there's a deadline. Now, before, before when they're in the locker room, we kind of find out more on their characters, though, because we see Piper's more of the goofball. Yes. Ventura's the more concerned guy. Right. And for some reason, he says, like, maybe we could do something in between being a cop and wrestling. How about being farmhands? <laughs> That's <Yes>. right. <laughs> what I like the best here is when they finally get ambushed outside the courthouse, they get into this fight, and there are wrestling ropes tied around a tree for yeah. no reason. It's and like, Jesse calls for the tag. Yeah, he puts his yeah. hand out. He's getting beaten, and he puts his hand out. He's like, tag! <laughs> and Piper tags in! What? That doesn't make any sense. And I can there. only imagine that if this got picked up every week, he'd have to tag in. One of them would have to tag into a fight. In all fairness, they were at a courthouse, so there might have been a judge there that would have called them out on not prop, not being the legal man in the fight. No, look, here's I, I don't believe that if you went right now to the Usos' house, that one of them is maybe you know like filling out a, a check for for the for you know the heat, and the other one is like tag, and then he goes over and signs it. I don't, I just don't believe tag teams do this. I think you are uh, only a tag team when you're in a sanctioned match. Even if there's ropes tied on a tree, I don't think it counts. <laughs> they, uh, they, so, they end up tossing him into a fountain, and I was so excited about this because I've been to that fountain. Captain, have you been out there to the Civic Center Park, which is now Grand Park in L.A.? Yeah, I've been out to that area. Have you seen? Did you see the fountain that was in this movie? Yeah, I was like, oh, man, this is, I've been there. <laughs> 
I mean, from now on, every time you go, you got to just pick up some guy, throw him into the ropes that'll be tied between the trees. I'm assuming that's still there. And then throw him into the fountain because this is exciting. It's the Arthur J. Will Memorial Fountain. And the plaque on it reads, The fountain was constructed in memory of Arthur J. Will, Chief Administrative Officer of the County of Los Angeles from 1951 to 1957, whose vision and leadership for more than 25 years of service to this community helped provide this great civic center as a symbol of good government and an inspiration for cultural growth. And so it's right there. It's a wonderful monument to the the show tag team. (laughs) So sure enough, um, they, no, they, I, you know what I want to do? Guys. Forget about that. Forget about this show. All I want to talk about is this fountain. I want to get a plaque on there that says, this is where Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura threw the bad guys in the hit television show Tag Team that only aired once. <laughs> I like to think this wasn't a failed pilot. This was a show where they felt they only need one episode. You know, other shows feel they need to go out with a hundred episodes or more. You know, Seinfeld, Jerry came out, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, the actor, not the character, came out and said, We've done enough. This is where we're stopping. You know, they were still on the top. So maybe that's what Tag Team did. Jesse and Roddy were like, We're on the top. We can't we can only go down from here. This episode is the pinnacle of tag team. We're stopping with one. Yes. No one believes it? Fair enough. <laughs> They're going out on top. <laughs> well, it almost seemed like this script was probably a T.J. Hooker plot that <laughs> was unused, and they sort of just dusted off, filled in some blanks, and made it tag team. No, you so, know what? I bet you Piper did oh. show up on the set painted half black, and they were like, uh-uh, we're, not. We, we're, <laughs> we're done with these two clowns. Enough with this tag team show. Now, the question I have, though, so does... The WWF exists in this universe, but Piper and Ventura don't, <laughs> because they keep mentioning like real wrestlers. Yes, yes. No. yeah, yeah. Um, they talk about Ultimate Warrior, Jake the Snake, Andre the Giant, but they don't exist. Or do they exist? And these yes. two are different guys that maybe in this universe, Roddy Piper doesn't look like Roddy Piper. This guy looks like Roddy Piper, and Roddy Piper looks like the dad from Alf. Yes. <laughs> because and you learn things because when Piper's taking his test, he's mumbling wrestling facts. Mm-hmm. He's like first first wrestler to hit his opponent with a, a ring bell. Freddie Blassie. <laughs> I don't know that that's true, but I'll take his word for it. I'll take it. I've, that's something I could say at parties now. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, when, they, when somebody's like tallest, I'll be like Andre the Giant and Giant Baba, and then they're like biggest. I'm like, hey, Stax Calhoun, why? Why are you asking me this? <laughs> So we get a happy ending because she's able to testify, but then we get that extra scene, and this extra scene is the cherry on top of the Sunday that is tag team. Yes, uh, they're they're at home celebrating, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, Cindy Brady comes by to congratulate them and thank them for for taking care of her, and the dog from the shelter comes running out, and he jumps and leaps on Piper with such momentum that he knocks Piper off, uh, over. Okay, now don't, and- don't spoil this because this is the part that I want to I want to go around the, around the table here, see what we thought they were going to name the dog at this point and then the listeners at home can also think this what you would assume the name of this dog because she's like, do you know what you're going to name him and both of them are like, of course we know. Yes. What did you think it would be, Craig? 
Beeping Lanny Poffo. Okay, that's a very good choice. What about you, Captain? Did you have an idea of what the dog might be named? Yes, but after I heard the name, I thought my deal was so... I thought they were going to name the dog Tag Team. That's what I thought! <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> do we have a name? Yes, Tag Team. And then they were just going to look at the camera and wink and then maybe yeah. pound their fists together in a freeze frame. But no, they're like Body Slam. What? Body Slam is a different movie that Roddy Piper's in. Was was everybody just confused? Was this show going to be called Body Slam originally? I would I would not be surprised if that's what it was going to be called. I would Yeah, love because it. there's even that scene earlier where when they destroy the truck with their piano, he says, "I think we body slam the truck." Yeah. Yes. I would like it if every week they get something and they name it tag team or body slam. You know, like like could you imagine like at the end of the next week, you know, they save an old man and he's like, "I never had any children, but I wanted to pass all my pocket watches to my children." Here you go, Ricky, and here you go, Bobby. And they're like, we love these watches. You know what we're going to call them? And he's like, a watch? And they're like, tag team. <laughs> I think it would be great. That's what they, That could have been the gimmick of the show. Or Body Slam. Oh. Either one would be good. No, I, I think I was reading too much into it, maybe. But the scene, uh, during this dog scene, Piper is coming out of the shower. <laughs> and he has, well, he has his, his towel around his waist. Is that supposed to be like a like the kilt he's wearing? Because it's you know it's like a panel towel. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I see. It. I had not thought about this, but I think you're dead on. Maybe that's an Easter egg. Type Jesse thing. is oh. wearing his jacket that he always wore to WrestleMania in almost every scene. There was no budget for Jesse's wardrobe because he is wearing Jesse's clothes the entire time. Yes. Roddy Piper, on the other hand, doesn't wear the kilt. But you're right. I think that's what this scene is. Roddy Piper, at the very beginning, he's dressed like Ultimate Warriors for some reason. Because he has yes. the, the strings on his arms. Yes. Yeah. And then throughout the rest of the show, he just wears sweats and like a, just like a torn shirt or something. Here's what I noticed in this. And I didn't notice this when Jesse was around. I knew he was bald, but he always covered up his head, you know, with the rag. Mm -hmm. But when he gets in the ring, I'm like... Wow, he just looks like the guy that fixes my car. You know, he just looks like a regular guy with male pattern baldness. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, most guys, we get there at one point. I understand this. I'm just saying it looks wrong, him in the ring with, you know, Piper with all that hair covering his giant ears. And he's got this bald, you know, he doesn't shave the, the, the back and the sides off. It's just, you know, back and sides and then nothing up top. And he's got yeah. a little bit of a skullet going. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So this this came out in 1991, and what I found out, on the day this was shown on television, Stone Cold Steve Austin, then he was uh, uh, just Steve Austin, uh, I think stunning Steve Austin, captured Steve Austin, the, yeah. the USWA Southern title from Jeff Jarrett via a referee's reverse decision. So the only thing I can think of here is Jarrett won but was cheating, and they turned around and gave the title to Austin, which I think is awesome. And i got to find this match to know the true story behind it. Yeah, I, I, I think the reverse decision is really underutilized nowadays. That that was in the in the playbook of Booker's for a really long time, though. I, I also found out there was a WWE card that went on this night. So if you were in Ontario, uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, you had a choice between going to the Cops Coliseum and watching a live wrestling card 
or staying home and watching tag team, and they only drew 5,000 fans. Now, I don't know how many Cops Coliseum holds, but I'm betting it holds about three or four times that much, and that's because everybody was home watching themselves some tag team. <laughs> this uh, this card, by the way, the main event, Roddy Piper, so he couldn't even watch himself on TV. Roddy Piper defeated Mr. Perfect by a countout in a 10-minute match. Uh, Undertaker pinned Tugboat. <laughs> wow. And it says in the notes I found, with an elbow drop off the top rope. Do you know why? Because he couldn't tombstone Tugboat. Yeah, true. I just and this that. is before... And this is before Undertaker would ask for help. Yes. In the, in the old days, he would choke slam you. He just would pick you up by your throat, you know, and put his hand on your back to steady you. Now he's like, all right, jump. <laughs> you remember there was that one, I don't, we were watching wrestling together yes. once, guy, and you hear Undertaker say, help yes. me to somebody. Yes. Uh, it is, there, there are two matches that I've heard him, what, the one where he clearly says it is at WrestleMania. It's the match that he had against Big Show. And uh, who was the guy that tagged with Big Show? It was Albert. It was Albert, but there was supposed to be the other guy who was an actor who had... Oh, Nathan Jones. Nathan Nathan Jones. Jones. So Nathan Jones had backed out. So it was Albert and Big Show. And he's going to chokeslam Big Show. And the camera, you know, Mike was close enough that you hear Big Show. You hear him say to Big Show, help me. (laughs) And Big (laughs) Show gives a little jump. And you just see Big Show go up on his toes a little bit to help the choke slam out. It's okay. Undertaker is in great shape for his age, but he need a oh, little help. You need a little help. We all need a little help sometime. This card, by the way, that I'm talking about at Cops Coliseum, I was very excited to find out that, that one of the matches out of all this card, and this card had Jake Roberts against Rick Martel, Nasty Boys and the Bushwhackers, Legion of Doom against the Orient Express, who also couldn't watch themselves on TV this night. But out of all these matches, the one that they chose to put on both primetime wrestling and on WWF Greatest Hits, the home video cassette, and Super Tape 4, so two VHS tapes and a broadcast on primetime, was Big Boss Man vs. The Barbarian, a match that ended with a sunset flip. Yes! The sunset flip gets a win! I have no idea why this was the match. That I, I can only imagine, it's like the third match on the card, that when it happened, they were like, yeah, it's good enough. All right, we'll use this one. You know, they were like, the first two matches were crap. We'll go with this one. It fits the amount of time we have, and this way we can all go home and watch Tag Team. Well, they probably, Bossman or someone had it in their contract, well, we're... You know, we're going to put one of your matches on home video. <laughs> Captain, were you a WCW fan growing up or a WWF fan or a little of both? No, I started watching WC. I really got into WCW once the whole NWO thing started, like mm-hmm. everyone else did. So most of my WCW history before that is kind of retroactive. Yeah. I've back and seen it. So, but, but growing up, I was always a WWF fan. Well, 91, they existed. Sting was wrestling against Ric Flair the same night. So if you were in Knoxville, Tennessee, you could see Sting versus Flair for the WCW World Championship, which ended in a disqualification. But you could see that, or you could stay home and watch Tag Team on television. That card also had uh, Brian Pillman against Big Cat. And I was like, who the hell was Big Cat? And all I could picture was Stacy Carter, King's old girlfriend, the cat. And I was like, it's not it's not Ernie, Ernie, Ernie Ladd. Ernie Ladd was, was a cat, but it's not, not him. And I looked it up. It was Mr. Hughes. 
Remember Mr. Hughes, oh, wow. the big burly oh, really? bodyguard? Yeah. He was Triple H's guy, right? Yeah. Well, Jared, the bodyguard. For yes, he was. Yes, he okay. was. And uh, and and I mean, he was a guy who was around forever and wrestled. You know, uh, he wrestled under multiple names. But at some point, he was Big Cat, and uh, he was on the card with the Junkyard Dog. By the way, so he had the Junkyard Dog and the Big Cat on the same card. Junkyard Dog was fighting against Iron Sheik, which must have been the greatest ride home ever. <laughs> But that's it. That was tag team. Um, I did find uh, a, a thing on online where somebody was trying to figure out every match, every movie that Jesse did where he died in. And the list that they came up with was that he dies in Predator. He dies in Batman and Robin. He dies in Demolition Man. And he dies in, and and does he die in uh, in Running Man? Oh yes, he does. Yeah. So those are those are apparently all the ones that he died in, according to the IMDb, which may not be right at all. Because IMDb, we found, is their their message boards are about three percent correct and ninety seven percent completely wholly off base. Yes, and they're usually just they all want to know one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, what I like on those message boards, and we we kind of talk about this a lot on the show, is we'll find a message board that was started in like 1998, and there's somebody posting on it within the past six months. So it's a conversation through the ages. People talking about some stupid scene, they'll be like, hey, you know, uh, it'll be the message board for They Live, and they'll be like, I don't know why he didn't just put the glasses on. He could have been like, hey, you see hot chicks if you look through these glasses? All the chicks have no clothes. And then there's 30 pages of responses, and they've gone on from 98 to 2013. It's amazing. It's amazing technology and the world that we can bring 98 and 2013 together. But yes. this brings us to the all-important question, and I'm going to start with you, Captain Marvelous. Do you tap out to tag team? No, I really enjoyed this. Okay. All right. That brings us to Craig. Craig, did you tap out All right. tag team? I got to say, as much fun as I had watching this and as great as it was to see Jesse in a match yeah. and to, you know, see, you know, some of the comedy and to see Piper, I think Jesse and Piper were both pretty much off their game here. They they both appeared in, in better in better products. And I got to say, I, I unfortunately, I did tap. All right. I'm going to just say this. The fact that you get to see Jesse's last match automatically makes it. I can't tap out to this because I have to recommend this. Everybody has to see it for that. But this is probably the craziest, stupidest thing I've ever seen. I mean, there are moments when you see the ropes tied on the tree. I I got up and I I paused it and I just start, started thinking, who can I call to tell this to? Because this is too crazy. Some people need to know this. Maybe I'll call the press. Maybe I'll see if I can get this on the news. Because this, this existed. Grown-up people with jobs getting paid to make television made this and just for the fact that this is that insane i cannot tap out to this tag team and there you have it that was us on captain marvelous's segment of off the ropes.net and we were talking about tag team that was a lot of fun craig it really really was a really good time i really enjoyed talking with him
Yeah, everybody should should again go follow him on Twitter, follow him on Facebook and all that stuff. Subscribe to his show. He also does another show. You can find it on the internet and everything else on iTunes and all the other podcast programs called Nerd and Proud. And so check that out as well. He's a he's a guy who knows a lot of stuff and I think you'll enjoy listening to more of them. And uh that's it for this time. Craig, thanks for joining me on this intro and outro. Yes, thank you. And we will see you next time here on Camel Clutch Cinema. Hey, this is Guy Hutchinson. I got a quick addendum to this that uh, is very exciting, actually. We received a letter a day or two after we recorded the show based on a letter I had sent out beforehand. And the letter came from Bill Anderson, the announcer in the tag team episode. He wrote, Hello Guy, you are correct that Gene's voice was used in tag team. The reason I was given was that the acoustics were not correct in the LA sports arena that night. The production people wanted no outside noises besides my voice. Since this was a live WWF house show, the production people had no control over the audience. They liked my look, but then they took Gene into a studio and used his voice. My guess is that Ventura and Piper were very close friends with Gene and wanted him to get a good payday out of this and push for Gene to be involved. That's my best guess. I was paid $1,500 that night, plus got my Screen Actors Guild card. That was beside my regular WWF pay as a scheduled announcer. I certainly wasn't complaining. After that show was filmed, every time I ran into Gene, he would say, you just stand there and look good with that full head of hair, and I will speak. End quote. We always laughed about it. Good memories, my friend. Signed, Bill. So thought that was pretty exciting to, to read, and basically it boils down to what we had said, which is still very interesting to, to get it straight from the horse's mouth. So that finally brings a close to this episode of Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crack. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we're okay. talking about... Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestling. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I, feel, I hear the Burt Reynolds laugh in my head. Yes. <laughs> Jimmy King! Oh my god, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! 